0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Chorus Aviation, Inc., third quarter 2021 Financial Results Analyst Conference Call. At this time, all participant lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question-and-answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. As a reminder, this call is being recorded today, November the 11th, 2021. And I would now like to turn the conference over to Natalie McGann, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Hello, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today for our third quarter 2021 conference call and audio webcast. With me today from course are Joe Randall, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Gary Osborne, Chief Financial Officer. We'll start the call by giving a brief overview of the results, and then go on to questions from the analyst community. Because some of the discussion in this call may be forward-looking, I direct your attention to the caution regarding forward-looking information and statements, which are subject to various risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that are included or referenced in our management discussion and analysis of the results and operations of Chorus Aviation Inc. for the period ended September 30th, 2021, The Outlook section and other sections of our MD&A where such statements appear. In addition, some of the following discussion involves certain non-GAAP financial measures, including references to EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA, adjusted EBT, and adjusted net income. Please refer to our MD&A for a discussion related to the use of such non-GAAP measures. I'll now turn the call over to Joe.
2: Thank you, Natalie, and good morning, everyone. Many airlines, including Air Canada are reporting their strongest results since the onset of the pandemic, and are optimistic these positive trends will continue. Our experience is no different. Change is in the air, and our industry has arrived at an important inflection point. Throughout this crisis, we've made significant strides to secure liquidity, strengthen our balance sheet, and our customer relationships, and to prepare as best we can to seize opportunities. The regional aviation sector is leading the recovery of domestic air transportation in many parts of the world. Improving market conditions are evidenced this quarter by the significant increases in fleet utilization by both our Air Canada Express operation and our portfolio of leased aircraft. Starting with the CPA operations, all aircraft have been removed from storage and returned to service. In the third quarter, we carried more than double the number of passengers we carried in the first half of this year. For the balance of this year, we are projected to operate approximately 75 to 80% of our fourth quarter 2019 flying activity. As such, we're very pleased to have welcomed back substantially all our frontline and administrative staff and are recruiting additional team members. JAZZ is compliant with federal COVID-19 vaccination regulations. Approximately 98% of our employees are fully vaccinated. The employees who are not vaccinated or do not have a medical or permitted exemption are on on paid leave. Additional indicators that regional and domestic air travel is recovering are found in our leasing business, where leasing revenue collections increased to 77%. 10 percentage points over the previous quarter our portfolio of leased aircraft excluding those off lease operated at approximately 75 percent of their pre-pandemic average flying hours in the third quarter of this year compared to 2019 a remarkable improvement given the industry has was essentially grounded at the height of the pandemic since our last report out we successfully executed agreements to lease eight off-lease aircraft with two new customers. We're pleased to welcome Emerald Airlines of Dublin, Ireland and Connect Airlines of Boston, Massachusetts to our portfolio. We now have only two remaining aircraft to be remarketed and we're in discussions with potential operators. Going forward, we believe airlines will increasingly look to operate operating leases to finance their fleets, whether to conserve capital or to support their efficiency and sustainability initiatives. Growth in the middle class markets was driving rapid pre-pandemic growth in emerging markets, and we expect this growth trajectory to resume. Demand for regional aircraft in the 100 to 150 seat range, primarily the new generation Airbus A220s and the Embraer E2s. Now commonly referred to as crossover aircraft, present exciting opportunities. Turboprops continue to be an integral part of regional networks worldwide given their ability to properly match market demand in unique markets. Where there was flying at the height of the pandemic, it was with turboprops. These aircraft offer greener credentials than jet aircraft, and major airlines are considering how they replace 50 seat jets. And this could be with Dash 8 400s and ATRs. Electric and hydrogen propelled engines are being explored and we're watching developments closely. Given the changes to our industry and the emerging opportunities, we continue to believe that we're in the right sector of the business. Our ability to manage the entire life cycle of a regional aircraft is a major strength that differentiates us from the competition. New contracts recently awarded to Voyager demonstrate the ingenuity and expertise of our team. By the end of this month, we'll be fully operational under the Pure Later Agreement, and we're hopeful to grow this book of business. Our facility in North Bay is extremely busy, and we're very pleased with the exciting work happening there. So I'm optimistic the worst is behind us. And i couldn't be more grateful to our employees for their steadfast commitment to safety the well-being of our customers the company and one another the good work we've done together throughout this crisis provides a solid foundation that will deliver value to our stakeholders thank you for listening and i'll
3: now turn the call over to gary (laughs) thank you joe and good morning here's how the third quarter of this year compares to the third quarter of 2020 we generated adjusted EBITDA of 78.1 million, which decreased by 7.8 million related to the 2021 CPA amendments and the reduction in foreign exchange rate from the prior year. Adjusted net income was 15.3 million in the quarter, an increase of 4.4 million, which resulted in adjusted EPS of 9 cents versus 7 cents in the third quarter of 2020. The increase was primarily due to a reduction in interest expense resulting from the repayment of amortizing term loans and lower depreciation expense. The RAL segment adjusted EBITDA was essentially unchanged from the prior quarter due to additional aircraft earning lease revenue offset by lower lease revenue attributable to restructured leases and lower earnings due to lower U.S. dollar exchange rate. The RAS segment adjusted EBITDA decreased by 7.7 million. The third quarter results were impacted by a decrease in fixed margin of 2.4 million in accordance with the CPA, an increase in stock-based compensation of 1.5 million, an increase in general administrative expenses attributable to increased operations, and a decrease in incentive revenue of 0.6 million offset by an increase in capitalization of major maintenance overhauls on owned aircraft of $2.1 million, an increase in other revenue due to an increase in third-party MRO activity and part sales, and an increase in aircraft leasing revenue under the CPA of $0.3 million, primarily due to six incremental CRJ 900s, offset by the removal of the Dash 8300 fleet and lower earnings of $1.8 million due to lower U.S. dollar exchange rates. Adjusted net income was $15.3 million for the quarter, an increase of $4.4 million due to a decrease of $5.7 million due to changes in foreign exchange, a reduction in net interest costs of $2.8 million, a decrease in depreciation expense of $2.1 million, a $1.3 million decrease in adjusted income tax expense, offset by the aforementioned $7.8 million decrease in adjusted EBITDA. Net income decreased $34.5 million over the prior period due to an increase in net unrealized foreign exchange losses, primarily on long-term debt of $40.8 million, an increase in lease repossession costs of $2.8 million, primarily related to aircraft refurbishments, offset by a decrease in impairment provisions of $4.8 million in the RAL segment, and the previously noted increase in adjusted net income of $4.4 million. Now turning to liquidity. We ended the quarter with $258.1 million in liquidity, which was an increase of $80.2 million over the second quarter of 2021, primarily due to the issuance of the unsecured Series C debentures for net proceeds of $80.9 million. Of these net proceeds, $29.8 million, $29.8 million is currently held in a restricted cash account in exchange for a conditional waiver of the 35% Repayment obligation under the unsecured revolving credit facility. The net proceeds from the issuance, including the related restricted cash, will be used to prim- primarily, or, par- or sorry, partially redeem or repay existing indebtedness, including the six percent debentures, which may be redeemed on or after December thirty first, two thousand and twenty one. Liquidity, excluding the net proceeds from the Series C debentures and the relate, and related restricted cash, increased by 29.1 million over the second quarter of 2021, due to positive operating cash flows of 82.8 million, offset by scheduled debt repayments of 45.5 million and additions to property and equipment of 9 million. In October 2021, Corus repaid $30 million under its operating credit facility and subsequently entered into a new three-year committed operating credit facility on October 14, 2021. This new facility provides chorus with a committed limit of $75 million plus a $25 million uncommitted accordion. Other key liquidity movements during the quarter included increased cash of $46.9 million due to higher accounts payable resulting from operations and commodity taxes relating to the timing of cash payments, increased cash of $11.5 million due to the increase in security deposits and maintenance reserves, decreased cash of $45.5 million due to scheduled debt repayments, decreased cash of $42.7 million due to an increase in restricted cash, including the aforementioned $29.8 million held for the conditional EDC waiver, Decreased cash of $13.8 million due to an increase in accounts receivable from Air Canada of $4.7 million and an increase in REL's gross lease receivables of $9.1 million. Decreased cash of $9 million due to investments in property, plant, and equipment. As of September 30, 2021, the controllable cost guard rail receivable was $12.7 million over the agreed cap of $20 million and subsequently paid in accordance with the 2021 CPA amendment. As COVID's impact varies by region and our CPA, CAC portfolio is global in nature, we anticipate that CAC's gross lease receivable at $62.3 million U.S. at the end of the third quarter could increase up to $65 million U.S. by the end of the fourth quarter 2021, which is up from our outlook shared last quarter due to potential delays in payments. Planned capital expenditures in 2021, including capitalized major maintenance overhauls, are estimated to be between 19 million and 29 million this estimate includes between 7 and 9 million that will be included in the in the controllable costs and paid by air canada planned aircraft related acquisitions are expected to be, be to be between 42 and 50 million in 2021 actual spend to september 30 2021 was 42.7 million while there are no further significant growth capital expenditures forecast for 2021 at this time, we continue to prudently evaluate new transactions while also remarketing our two crj CRJ900 aircraft and 1-H400 we expect to be returned at the end of January 2022. With the current recovery and passenger demand for air travel and further improvement expected in 2022. CORE's plans to invest between $300 and $400 million in aircraft acquisitions in 2022, financed through existing cash resources, capital raises, secured debt financing, or accommodations thereof. We have continued with our plan to create additional flexibility in our capital structure by paying down our secured and overall adjusted net debt. By the end of the third quarter, we successfully completed another capital raise with gross proceeds of $85 million and reduced our adjusted net debt since the beginning of the year by $194.8 million. We also increased our percentage of unsecured debt to approximately 18% of total debt and brought our unencumbered asset pool to approximately $115 million. We anticipate continuing with our debt reductions while evaluating growth opportunities over the course of this year. Before opening the call to questions from the analyst community, I would like to acknowledge the continued outstanding efforts of our team during 2021 in a challenging and evolving operating environment. That that concludes my commentary. Thank you for listening. Operator, we can open the call to questions.
0: Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press the star followed by the one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the star, followed by the two. Please stand by one moment for your first question. Your first question comes from Cameron Dirksen of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
4: Uh, Thanks very much. Uh, Good morning. Good morning, Cameron. Morning. So, uh, question on I guess the the growth plans for 2022 uh, in the MDNA. You've highlighted that uh, I guess your current expectation is that you may be spending between three to four hundred million dollars for additional aircraft acquisitions. Can you talk a little bit about what specific opportunities you're seeing there? Are, are these, you know, uh, I guess buying out of leases, or are there? I guess maybe new aircraft. I mean, you mentioned A220 and, and uh, E2 as, as uh, attractive assets. So maybe just a little more detail around your expectations for next year on the on the uh, the portfolio growth.
2: Sure. Um, well, what we're seeing now is more activity in the market uh, with respect to sale and leaseback opportunities, specifically as carriers, uh, you know, the manufacturers are starting to ramp back up. Um, carriers are, um, you know, really firming up their commitments terms of these aircraft deliveries uh, most especially on the crossover aircraft that I mentioned so um, obviously that's an area that you know we've been active in previously and now look to um, you know pick up on and uh, during this period as well um, you know we've seen and we expect we will continue to see um, some portfolios that may become available as well so we're starting to see more activity uh more opportunities um you know I think uh the last this last quarter is when we've really seen it sort of start to pick up, and uh that's why we have this optimism and uh you know and uh we're seeing the requests for proposals out there now from um, from carriers
4: okay that's helpful and and I guess my second question is is kind of related to the uh the leasing business uh i mean in q3 uh i guess before tax uh, there was a loss in the business i mean obviously you haven't got your full portfolio uh on lease so presumably that uh, that will uh, that will change but can you talk about the profitability of that business uh as it kind of normalizes and and given maybe what lease rates have done i mean can this business get back to the level of profitability uh, that, that certainly meets your return objectives, but also is, is consistent with maybe what you saw pre-pandemic?
3: Yeah, so, Gary, um, yeah, it's uh, Gary here. Um, when you look at the the rail division, certainly we're going to have a lot of uh, aircraft or the currently off-lease aircraft coming back to work. <clears throat> the other thing is uh, to notice is Aeromexico and others emerge from bankruptcy. They'll get back on the positive side of the ledger as far as you know growth in uh, revenue as they went through the uh, bankruptcy uh, piece, it was a little more challenging. So we're gonna see the pickup from the off-lease aircraft and plus as uh, some of these uh, leases get restructured, a little bit of a pickup there. So we expect things to get a bit better on the revenue line uh, that way. The other side is the interest has been coming down on that side uh, as we've been paying down our debt. So you'll see that ha- um, make its way through. And then the other, the other thing is on the ECL, You know we booked just short of a million, I think it was 900,000 in the quarter and uh, we continue to monitor that. But as the, the health of the uh, lessees has been turning around, you know, we're hoping that that ECL provision will turn around also. So from that perspective, I think the core fleet will uh, start to perform better. Then as we grow, we'll continue to add aircraft uh, into that. And uh, certainly that will start to, to get the, uh, the margins back to a much healthier level. And, uh, you know, the other side is SG&A is a bit high right now as a percentage of revenue. And that's really because of the nature of what we just went through, where we had off-lease aircraft and, and whatnot. And as we grow, that'll come down. So there'll be a, a few factors that will start to bring that back to uh, that emerge. So, so I would say, uh, Cameron, in terms of the opportunities and getting back to
2: normal, it's, it's uh, you know, it's sort of bifurcated between two, uh, two areas. One is, you know there are still a number of airplanes that are off lease and the stress in terms of the older portfolios, et cetera. The good thing is that we have essentially placed all of our grounded aircraft back on lease. So um, you know, it's, it's something that um, we don't need to have and see these aircraft coming back in the near term and be under a lot of downward pressure because the market will be absorbing some of this, some of these excess assets that are there. So that's one part of it. But the other side is the actual sale and leaseback side, which you know, we see recovering uh, uh, very well because these are new assets. Um, they're not really competing against the assets that have been grounded. They're new technology, they're because of the green initiatives, carriers refleting, et cetera. So that end of the business, um, you know, we see um, you know, recovering in a, in a very good way. And as I mentioned in my comments, you know, with the balance sheets that are there, we think that the penetration of operating leases within the business will actually increase as a percentage of, um, of the new production that's coming out. So, so that's why we're optimistic in terms of that part of the business. It doesn't mean that there won't be competition out there, et cetera, but you know, we believe we can compete in that business. And um, you know, so that will be a focus. And any other portfolios that are out there, you know, should be priced, uh, priced according to the market conditions, et cetera, that exist for those, for those aircraft. So, um, you know, that's why we feel the worst is behind us. We just have these two airplanes left to release that we're optimistic we'll have something there very soon. And, um, you know, then we'll be focused on the two areas that, that I just mentioned.
4: Okay, no, that that's great. Uh, I'll pass the line. Thanks very much.
0: Your yeah. next question comes from Alana Yontes of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
1: Hi, thanks for taking my question. I just had a question about the leasing business. Um, specifically, uh, just to build on camera's question, as we think about the recovery moving forward, um, are, do you think we've seen... The worst of the downward revisions to these rates, um, or are there still
5: pockets of vulnerability in the leasing portfolio?
2: I think, uh, as I mentioned in my comments, I think we've seen now an inflection point. Um, You know, I I see as carriers get back up and as uh, passenger travel resumes and as vaccination rates increase, because, you know, the vaccination rate uh, is really key here in terms of the recovery of the business. Um, I think as we see that continue to to rise, the business itself will rise accordingly in terms of the level of demand as people get back up in the air. And uh, you know, I think that's evidenced by the increased utilization we're seeing in the fleet, both the ones the aircraft we lease, we monitor that closely, and of course our Air Canada Express operation, which is uh, has rebounded quite significantly.
1: Great, and just one one quick question um, about the regional aviation services. So, just wondering, what about the necessary resources that are being brought uh, brought back to support the recovery? And are you seeing any bottlenecks that uh, that you're you're seeing in that recovery there?
2: You no, know, we're we're very busy training uh, people, and you know we've gone through our list, and in fact, we're hiring flight attendants now, et cetera. Uh, But, um, you know, we don't see anything in the near term at all that uh, is going to create uh, any pressure for us. Uh, You know, we look at the industry going forward, just like coming into the pandemic. You know, everyone was looking at the the pipeline of of staff, etc. But, you know, relative to others in the industry, I think we're really in a good position. We have this flow through agreement with Air Canada as Air Canada comes back. Um, you know they will be hiring a lot of our pilots but that helps us hire pilots ourselves because they see a career path through jazz um, as being a long-term career path in the industry and uh, you know that's why we're such a I think a very good part of the supply chain very strong with the relationship with Air Canada but uh, you know it's something that we have to keep our eye on going forward for sure is the availability of uh, of human resources. Great. Thank you
1: so much. You're
2: welcome
0: Your next question comes from Kevin Chang of CIBC. Please go ahead.
5: Hi, uh, th- th- thanks for taking my question. I, I, I did get on the, the call a little bit late, so maybe you did, did address this. Just, just wondering when you look at uh, uh, the leasing business or, or course, Aviation Capital specifically. Just, just wondering, you know, I, I guess the the potential changes to, to to the taxes in that jurisdiction, given given the broader global tax. Uh, mandates being put out by by major economies. Does, does that does that materially change the returns you would see within CAC or 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 is it or does it just end up kind of being a rounding
3: error? Yes, um, Gary. Here, good you know, morning, Kevin. Um, no, we don't see it as uh, really changing the equation. It, you know, the, the minimum tax going from really twelve and a half in Ireland to fifteen uh, wouldn't have a material impact uh, because there's a couple things at play. In Ireland, the way the tax regime works is really um, your, your income is deferred really to the end, and uh, as a result, it's at the back end. So when you look at returns, it'll affect that, and it's pretty nominal, uh, the difference as far as that goes. And uh, so we don't see it as being uh, a material to the business and not changing the value equation.
5: Okay, that's, uh, that, that's helpful. Um, and I guess just, just on, I guess, the, the, the refocus on growth here within, within leasing, um, you know, it, it, it sounds like you feel you've turned the corner on, on lease rates. You, you're willing to put some capital to work here on the sales lease back. But, but presumably, you know, these lease rates probably aren't where they were, uh, at least pre-pandemic, even if they've inflected positively. You know, to, to get the returns you, you're, you're typically targeting, does that suggest that you're, you're able to get these assets at a, at a lower price to, to kind of drive that mid-teens ROE uh, or, or, or to at least you know push through your hurdle ROIC uh, percentage
3: so uh, here again, um, on the lease rate factors obviously they'll be commensurate with the metal value and also the interest rates and, and whatnot certainly they're they're a little bit lower I would say on some of the larger equipment but the financing is much more competitive and, and much more um, you know, dynamic that way. So, from that perspective, the return should be, you know, in in good stead for for those that metal. Um, so, we're not really uh, that concerned that we won't be uh, able to at least uh, be competitive in that space.
5: Okay. And uh, maybe just last one for me. Uh, you know, seventy five percent of your leased aircraft are are, are or your, your your leased aircraft uh, are running about seventy five percent utilization from pre pandemic levels. Is there a way to think of how that's bifurcated, you know, is, is it a pretty wide range? Like some people are at 100 and some people are at 50 and you kind of average out at 75 or is it p- pretty tight around that 75% range? Uh,
2: it, there's some variation uh, amongst the carriers and generally it's pretty much correlated to what's going on in the country with respect to COVID uh, mm-hmm. in that geography. So um, uh, so it's, it's variable, um, mm. you know, so. Uh, like we don't speak to the individual operators, but there there is variation.
5: Okay. Um, maybe if I can just ask a last one. I know that this this is probably difficult to just answer on the fly, but but if, but I look at you like your 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 let's say 2019, uh, uh, you know, cash flow from operation, then I'll take a working capital because I know that can swing around for you guys. Actually, if I look at 18 and 19, you're kind of hovering around 270 million dollars on an annualized basis. Just wondering, you know, based on what you're seeing today and the recovery uh, in the lease portfolio, where lease rates are, where you know you've renegotiated the Air Canada contract, you know, I, I guess what, I, I guess how, how much can you get back to that 270 million dollar level, or how much of that is just, let's say, just totally impaired because you know you have to renegotiate some of these agreements and and and. And maybe if you kind of get to 90% of that, that's kind of as good as you can get with the existing portfolio. And then to grow above that, you're, you're obviously investing in your, in your asset base. Is, is there a way to kind of frame that just based on all the, all the stuff you've done over the past couple of years?
3: Yeah. Sorry. It's Gary here. And um, if you look at the, uh... You know, prior to COVID or you know uh, pre the 2019-2020 levels, there's there's some changes obviously that have occurred on mm-hmm. the RAL side uh, with leasing, but also with the CPA uh, piece that uh, you know we've had the you know the step, a bit of a step down of the fixed fee and whatnot, and and remove the dash three. So certainly there's some changes there. But the one thing is, you know, the steadiness of the cash flow is still there. Um, and as you look forward. It should grow a little bit, uh, hopefully, as uh, RAL and, and, and that starts to, to kick in and Voyager, you know, with the, the growth they're seeing. But, you know, the levels you're seeing with a bit, you know, at today's level uh, are, you know, certainly good basis to move forward without giving a big prediction as to where it's moving. Um, but we'll start, certainly, it's a great base to move ahead with, and you'll and you probably see some growth from it as we get aircraft released and, and Voyager does a bit more.
2: Okay,
5: that, that that that's fair and that that's helpful. You know, good, good progress in the third quarter on on the recovery there. So I'll I'll leave it there. Thank you for taking my questions.
0: Yep. Your next question comes from Walter Spracklin of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
6: Hi, this is Ryle Stroud on for Walter. Uh, good morning, and thanks for taking my questions today. <clears throat> morning. Good I just wanted to start off and, and was wondering if you could provide us with some more context on what you're seeing on the domestic recovery front. You know, it's moving from 55% recovered in Q3 to 75 to 80% recovered in Q4, is a fairly significant jump. And maybe looking ahead, how far away do you think you are from fully returning to normal from a from a capacity perspective? Well, um, you know, c- considering in terms of our
2: Air Canada Express flying and the level of flying, that is actually determined by Air Canada. Um, you know, we, we do not determine that. Um, so, um, you know, I, I in terms of predicting it, you know, the indication that we have now with respect to the fourth quarter is the, the plan that we have from Air Canada. Um, you know, but I think with this trend continuing, you can certainly see with this type of trajectory that getting back close to full operations in the, you know, probably latest second quarter uh, could be very achievable. But again, it depends. Um, it depends on, on the demand on the Air Canada front. It depends on, uh, you know, the, uh, the border. Um, and I know that there's a lot of pressure these days to uh, make crossing the border easily um, more easy. Uh, or easier, and um, you know, and I think uh, our operation really benefits from things like that because we do a lot of transporter flying for Canada as well as they open the uh, the transporter markets and and travel increases, and um, you know, and we are seeing on the flights that we operate very good demand in the domestic market. So, uh, uh, you know, I I think. Um, I think it's it's looking pretty good and of course we're on the right side of the business because the demand for the smaller aircraft really is the first to come back and you know that's why our uh, 76 seat aircraft or jet aircraft are very busy these days
6: flying throughout North America for Canada
2: and that same sort of uh, pattern is existing in other parts of the world Um, you know we've seen Europe now uh, you know there have been a few fits and starts there but and that, but um, um you know, headed in the same direction,
6: got it, got it that that, that makes sense, and that's a very helpful color and then and then just just lastly here, um, you know, you mentioned that the curaultor agreement kicks in later this month. I was wondering if you could provide us with any color on on how material this is expected to be to the top line and if there's any additional capex spend associated with this partnership
3: um. Sorry, it's Gary here. On the, I can answer the CapEx. CapEx is minimal. It's, it's near an forecast, and and it's certainly uh, not significant. Um, and then on the revenue line, it, it's not overly material to course at this point in time, but it continues to grow. And as the relationship grows, it'll continue to, to make its way through. We've also had the curator uh, arrangement in place now for two or three quarters. Um, you know, because uh, it started out as a trial, so a lot of that you know revenue bump up you've seen at least off the existing fleet. But we are hoping to grow that relationship. What what I
2: would say is that, you know, we've converted um, these Dash 8100s at Voyager into freighters. um, And, um, you know, we had uh, temporarily aircraft operating in there for Purolator that were not the fully converted freighters that we now have in there uh, operating for Purolator. Um, but uh, we do have a, a number of these airplanes available to convert and uh, you know the conversion cost is quite reasonable um, you know from what we understand the aircraft are performing very well they have a very good payload on, um, on uh, you know especially transporter services et cetera. and uh, you know the interesting thing is that the demand because of the online Purchasing that's going on in smaller communities and remote areas and that sort of thing, you know, I think that's uh, that puts us in a pretty good place. Um, and I think Purelader has a very strong position in that market as well. So we'll continue to work with them to identify new opportunities and ways of growing um, growing that business. So we're optimistic that uh, you know positive things will continue to occur there. It's. Uh, it's an interesting business to us, and we're we're very focused on the relationship
6: and growing it. Okay, that's great. Good to hear, and thanks for the color, and thanks for taking my questions. I'll, uh, I'll pass the line now. Thank you.
0: <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad now. Your next question comes from Konark Gupta of Scotiabank. Please go ahead.
7: Thank you, operator, and uh, good morning, everyone.
0: Good All right.
7: morning. Good morning, guys. <laughs> so may- maybe uh, just digging into uh, capex here a little bit for next year. Um, so I, I think uh, you guys mentioned uh, 300 to 400 million dollar in aircraft acquisitions next year, perhaps, and that seems like an opportunity base, more like uh, more than uh, a sort of a committed capex. At this point so uh, let's say you do 300 to 400 next year on aircraft like if we if we look historically i'm like that could be possibly six to eight larger aircraft like a to 20s uh or if you go smaller it's probably 10 to 15 regional aircraft so can you give us some sense like is there going to be a mix of both maybe 8 to 20 kind of aircraft and smaller aircraft so we are anywhere between you know, probably eight to ten or twelve aircraft. Possibly, is that the size that you're anticipating next year?
3: Um, it's scary here. Uh, it could be a mix. It'll be a mix of those types of aircraft. We're not uh, giving specific guidance on the aircraft, but giving a range for the capex. And to your point, it, it will depend on uh, the deals that we uh, we focus in on and we're able to complete. But uh, you know, your ranges weren't. I don't believe off. Mm.
2: Yeah, and the opportunities, you know, I mentioned the crossover airplanes with respect to the E-2s and the A-220s. And, of course, now ATR is starting to pick up um, in terms of their manufacturing rate as well. So, you know, ATR-72s uh, potentially could be in the mix. Um, you know, the um, the manufacturing of the Dash 8400s has been suspended. Um, so there's not a lot of activity in that regard. But in terms of new metal... Uh, those are the three aircraft types but of course they vary quite a bit in terms of their acquisition cost and it's hard to say exactly what the mix will be uh, but um, but you're right uh, you know the number of airplanes is clearly uh, you know it's, it has to be reflected uh, uh, in the mix and of the four hundred, three to 400
7: okay no, that, that makes sense and that that kind of probably puts you back uh, somewhere toward uh, your pre-pandemic uh, kind of goal for, for 20 aircraft or so annually. So, so it, it, it seems like it's heading there. Um, now, with respect to non-aircraft CapEx, uh, and I, I know it's still a little bit premature, but uh, like we, we have seen perhaps not a significant variation this year uh, versus 2020 uh, and maybe before, but um, is it fair to expect the non-aircraft capex is more or less similar in 2022, or is there any, any, any incremental ramp up you expect? Um,
3: it's Gary here. Um, can't really give you a good flavor for that at this point in time. Um, as the operation ramps up, though, one would expect that that would ramp up a bit, but the you know if you look at... Uh, Particularly for jazz things have changed with the embryo coming in play too so uh you know I, I think it's a little
7: early to give you give you guidance uh, on for next year okay uh, not not a problem Larry thank you so much for that and then lastly for me um with respect to the the remarketed aircraft um, so I think you have done about uh, eleven of those so far and and the two are coming out shortly as well so and I think uh, if I'm reading it correctly, you mentioned somewhere in the disclosures uh, uh, the the six i think ATRs are spreading over the next twelve months or so essentially can he, uh, like can you provide any sense as to you know should we expect um the the ramp of uh, remarketed aircraft uh, placed into the leasing revenue? Uh, to be linear uh, over the next three to four quarters uh, starting from Q4 or should we expect like a big bump uh, in in one or two quarters? Um, I think
0: it's
7: scary here. I think it would be more
3: linear, but it could change. I I know the deliveries and the timeframes have have moved around a little bit uh, with with Emerald and other carriers, so it could be a spike or it could be more linear, but for modeling, I would probably use more of a linear approach.
7: Okay, that makes sense. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Yeah.
0: There are no further questions from the phone lines, so at this point I will turn the conference back over to Natalie McGann for closing remarks.
1: Thank you, Michelle, and thank you, everyone, for being present on this call, and we look forward to speaking with you all soon. Have a great day.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.